0: Well, our guest today is back. He's a recurring guest. His name's Ed Steeman of Ed Steeman Associates. And Ed, over the last 20 odd years, has had the pleasure of working with both the dealers and dealer groups, placing uh, certainly millions of dollars worth of advertising over the years. He's a real advocate for the blending of traditional and digital media and making them work together. And we love his opinions here on Media Insultant because he's got such great insight into what's going on in the automotive business. And the automotive business is 25 percent, historically has been 25 percent of what the media does in terms of advertising. So it's an important category. And we've really lost a lot of that mojo over the past couple of years because of uh, both the pandemic and now the supply chain issue. So, Ed, let me start off saying welcome. Nice to see you again. You're looking good. Well, thank you. And ask you that question. What's the update uh, on the car supply chain issue that so many dealers are having?
1: Well, good morning, and thanks for having me along. Um, We just finished uh, NADA, which is the big automotive conference that occurs annually. This was uh, in person for, um, for, for the first time, I think, in two years. Um, and so there were a couple of big uh, buzz topics going on at NATO, the first one being the inventory situation. So inventory situation, uh, the best way to characterize it in a word would be spotty. Um, as you, I sent you some charts prior to uh, logging on here that show the, it's really a continuation of what we talked about last time we were together, which is the dealers are very much struggling to get new car inventory. Um, you have a few bright spots, uh, Volkswagen because of the war on Ukraine is actually going to redirect some of their production, uh, back to North America, which is an odd thing to have happen. Um, and then you also have some of the European manufacturers that are, uh, really impacted by the war in that, uh, they get some of their parts from Ukraine. So European guys are struggling. Volkswagen is probably one of the only semi-bright spots, but beyond that, this is really going to be a 2023 recovery. I don't see uh, new car inventory changing much in the in the balance of this year.
0: Boy, it just gets longer and longer, doesn't it? When we first talked last year, you thought by the end of last year, or maybe first quarter, yeah. this would be resolved. It just keeps getting stretched out, doesn't it, Ed? It
1: does, and... And it's hard to know exactly. There's, there's some other factors at play. The other the other, you know, big buzz at NATO was the whole it really plays on the previous conversation we had about if you remember we talked about, you know, Tesla Tesla rents a space inside the local mall and you know the Subaru dealer has to spend a million dollars multi-million dollars building a you know building a storefront and tesla sells more cars than the subaru store does right we you remember we had that conversation about six months ago when Mm -hmm. we first chatted so the next chapter in that book is that manufacturers are splitting ford for example has now split you have ford ice which is ford internal combustion engine and you have ford blue which is now going to be their ev division so what the manufacturers say is, well, we want to be able to devote the resources into making electric vehicles. You know, it's a different business model, um, et cetera. And then, you know, we want to keep our legacy business with our internal combustion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Part of their justification is, well, because EV is only a small fraction of the overall sales of a dealership, you know, we're not sure that, dealership salespeople are really trained to push this and discuss it and understand it, to which the dealer people basically say, you know, that's a bunch of bunk. Um, What you see happening is the franchise laws being challenged, because right now Ford can't come into, I think there's 26 states now that Tesla got a waiver on or somehow um, didn't have to put a physical point in. So what you have is Ford basically saying, we're going to go to the direct consumer business selling our EVs. And by the way, by 2035, every car is going to be an EV. So you're going, what does that mean?
2: <laughs> exactly. So, so what, I, what, I, what I hear you saying is, is that um, there's <laughs> dealer frustration because they're stuck with the franchise laws that Tesla's not. And that secondly, the buyers for these EVs probably aren't really thrilled about going into the, the traditional, uh, in, you know, internal combustion dealership, if you will, they want to see it at the mall. They want to see it, uh, you know, at the you know, at, at Bellevue Square or at Westfield Century City, just like they see the Teslas. Are we going to see Volvos and Fords and other uh, EVs uh, in mall locations uh, sooner rather than later to compete with with Tesla? So I'm
1: kind of saying the opposite of what you just said. So let me clarify. The, the okay. dealer groups or the local dealers very much want to have the opportunity to sell the EVs. And you have some pretty intense lobbying okay. going on. If you're the local Ford dealer, um, I doubt you're very excited. For example, if you want to buy the Ford F-150 Lightning, which is their EV. So you call up your local Ford dealer and yeah. say, hi, I'd like to get in line for that. And they say, we direct you back to a national website where you put your name in. And when the car shows up, um, some dealer or another will be calling you to, uh, to, to conduct that transaction. So the dealers very much wanna have ah, the opportunity. Okay. They, don't wanna, they don't wanna lose an opportunity to sell a vehicle. The manufacturers are looking at it and saying, wow, the Tesla model really worked where I can have people walk in, I can order a car. I can configure it. I can custom build it to order, and I can deliver it to them in three months, six months, whatever the period of time is. So the manufacturers love that model. The dealers are actually lobbying pretty hard to not have that happen. So okay. you have these franchise laws that are, um, you know, that are state by state, and Tesla applied for a lot of waivers on them. But actually, you know, Ford can't direct sell. Mm-hmm. I think Washington State is just in the process of changing the laws but depending on where you are Ford can't come in and open a Ford dealership next to their franchised Ford dealership lot so mm-hmm. by splitting into two divisions now they potentially the Ford EV store could open next door to you right so this is a this is a this yeah. is a big big deal um with how this is all going to work, Ford is the first one that's kind of stepped out um, and you know and talked about this. But it it really falls out of what you and I spoke about before, which is you know how are you going to be competitive with Tesla? How are you going to be competitive with EVs? And how are you going to get those sold? And the factories are going, you know, things have been pretty sweet for the last year. Let me see if I understand this right. Um, you walk into a dealership, you order a car, um, we find that car for you. We sell it to you at full price. Every car we make is sold before we make it, and uh, we're making lots of profit. So Mm -hmm. I like this Mm -hmm. model. Am I am I in a hurry (laughs) to get back to having 300 cars sitting on a lot, flooring them, offering you know slashing, offering incentives, doing all this doing all this razzmatazz to sell vehicles? Mm, Things are pretty good the way they are. So. That's part of why I don't see this, but it you know changing
0: uh, tomorrow. Okay, it brings up a, a a really interesting question. A couple of weeks ago, Keith and I uh, spoke about Kelly Blue Book going into a, a joint venture with iHeart in, in essentially an automotive call center, and we've gotten some a, additional information on it since then. Keith, uh, you had a better question than I did for Ed on how this whole process is going to work, so. It's up to you to ask a good question right now, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, part of the
2: uh, issue we talked about with Ed before was the used car situation mm-hmm. and how you know there was a shortage of used cars and they dealers were really were trying to find used car inventory mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and 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 trade in values were going through the roof and and he was even advising me to to come off my lease, buy my car off my lease, and then sell it to the dealer for twenty grand more or something. So uh, did you take Kelly my advice? Lupa came out with this program called their. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to it's up in september and, and my dealer my, and my dealer's resisting oh, oh, oh what a shop! So, <laughs> yeah so uh so kelly blue book announced this instant cash offer where they were going to help uh, mm. p- people going to their website looking for used cars they could buy them off of a kelly blue book um, and um uh and, and it would it would close the loop right. for a lot of dealers who participate in that program with Kelly Blue Book in terms of you know getting new getting more used car mm-hmm. inventory for them. And they were partnering with iHeart and that was the shocking part because Kelly Blue Book obviously is the Bible when it comes to your value of your right. used car. And uh, and so they did this pro they're doing this program with uh, with uh, with iHeart where they're, they're using iHeart's quote-unquote automotive call center in Nashville mm-hmm. to respond to an online desire, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I want to buy, I want to sell you my car. Mm-hmm. So they, they jump in, and within two minutes, mm-hmm. somebody in Nashville Correct. calls you and says, hey, let's, let's do mm-hmm. that deal, right, yeah. Ed? Let's, let's, make this, let's make this happen. How can I mm-hmm. help you get there, get to the dealership, get the appointment? We're going to get this deal mm-hmm. closed. So, uh, you know, Jackson and I were talking about where the hell did a 200-person call center in Nashville for iHeart pop up? You know, and it was like, who are these guys? Are they really doing Mm -hmm. this? And it turns out, in doing more research since we we talked about this back in early March when it was announced, was that there's a company called Cloud One based in Mm -hmm. Vancouver, Washington, who's boasting about the fact that they got chosen to be... The call center for mm-hmm. iHeart. Well, that didn't come out in the radio right. trades, you know, So, so this really isn't a, an iHeart call center. It's they've they've outsourced mm-hmm, it to Cloud mm-hmm. One, who does right, have a, clou- right. a a call center in Nashville. I'm confused, Ed. What's going on? Well, here?
1: and I, I only know some of the pieces, but I know that um, my understanding is Cloud One um, is uh, is uh, run by the Preble family, or at least one of the one of the Prebles' kids. I actually worked with um, Damerel Ford down in Portland, which was owned by Wally Preble and Gene Bradshaw way back when. And I know Brad took it over from him. And I think this is this is either one of his kids or another member of the family. But basically, hmm. it, I, I, and 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 I apologize if I don't have that that information correct. But <clears throat> it was started by an automotive family, and and. I believe that they started it as their own BDC. BDC is a business development center. And it's, it's uh, you know, you, we talked about it a little bit before okay. the call. It's a smile and dial. Hi, you know, uh, we understand your car is coming out of lease. Would you like to come bring it to us? And I mean, larger dealerships are running these BDC centers basically to stimulate and, and tap their own customer base to, uh, you know, to come in and and, and do business. Okay. So... I know that I I've heard about these guys for years and I know they've done some really innovative smart things. So in some fashion iHeart got connected with Cloud One, likely out of Portland, um and then that then grew into a relationship where iHeart was offering basically the there were there were I th- believe two products. One was the what they call the OBB, which is the owner buyback, which is essentially you're yes. outsourcing your yep. your your BDC to Uh, to a third party um, who is calling your customers, inviting them to come in, inviting to do all that. My understanding is, um, again, don't quote me exactly, but my understanding is it's around $4 a lead for that piece. Then somehow that got connected to KBB, and when you want an instant cash offer on your car, you go to kbb.com, you enter all the information about your car, and within two minutes, this same call center calls and says, you know, hi, do you want to make a deal? And so... I think that KBB for whatever reason got wind of what cloud one was doing, saw how effective it was and basically Mm -hmm. said, Hey, we'd like to buy this. So my understanding is that the KBB piece, which is, which is what we call the conquest piece. So, you know, you're working your own internal customer base (laughs) or you're getting leads from outside your dealership. So um, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm filling in the KBB uh, instant, you know, price quote for my car i may or may not be a customer of dealership xyz i'm just filling it in so that's those are conquest leads those are super valuable because you know hey i'm getting you a lead of somebody that you're not Uh currently doing business with That's in the market for a car so kbb basically has taken that portion of the business um, and i i don't know if they bought it or you know how what the transaction was but they've iheart no longer offers that portion of the business the portion of the business that iHeart retained ah. was what they call the OBB, the owner buyback, which is I'll call your own customer list probably at that same $4 and I will, and I will, I will you know, stimulate that list and try to drive your own customers. So, so you're a dealer looking for your stars. You're looking inside your list made, or you're look. you know, I've got to call all my own customers. Great. Well, what happens when I run out of my own customers to call? I got to start calling somebody else's customers. So, you know, that, that's both, <laughs> both pieces are valuable.
2: Gotcha. So if I'm a if I'm an iHeart rep or an iHeart automotive rep, or I'm the VP mm-hmm. of automotive for iHeart, you know Tampa, I'm I, I the my salespeople are pitching that service mm-hmm. to local dealers so. and saying part of what we can mm-hmm. do for you is that we can you can outsource mm-hmm. this uh, yeah. this BDC service. Yeah. And, uh, and do this OBB program and, uh, you know, and uh, we'll hook you up. Yeah. But, you know, you got to buy a schedule. Is that how that works?
1: So I don't know about the you got to buy a schedule part. That, you know, that's how they sell it. But, I mean, they're also, they have a, they have a buyback uh, direct mail, you know, email e-blast type product that they can partner wow. that with. I mean, okay. they have other products. But my understanding is that you can basically buy this. I think that I think that you know, the minimum is around $1,400 a month or something. I think you can buy this as a standalone product. I think that the sales reps are probably partnering this with, hey, let's run a radio schedule. Let's do a direct mail campaign. Let's you know, let's have let's let's put this in there. You know, this is a this is a multi tiered package. So, as far as how they're selling it, uh, they're selling it how they're selling it. But it's a great idea. One of the things
0: that I think is important, and that's Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say that one of the things that's really important in, in selling digital for the radio and TV people has been just to continue to have a place at the table and this gives them a place at the table to have a product they can sell or they can, they can integrate into their on-air schedules. I mean, I think it's a really good idea, and that brings up my question. Is this something that a guy who's got four stations in Missoula, Montana, could in some ways affect? Can, is there a way he can go on the air and get potential sellers of their vehicles to contact some kind of a call center? Is there, is there a way this can work for the guys who are not iHeart? Yeah, and
1: and I and I mean one more piece. There are a zillion automotive direct mail companies, um, and and I can start throwing out some of the names of the big guys. But most of those company started in the direct mail business, um, you know, you you used to get all the letters that said, you know, uh, Jackson or Keith, you know, we want to buy your car, we'll pay you 120% of Kelly Blue Book and you know, come on in this week, blah, blah, blah. Well, that then evolved into an email campaign, you know, where they've got customized landing pages, they've got, you know, vanity URLs, they've and, and part of what those direct mail companies are offering is this phone call service, So this is not something that this is something that I'm doing as a media company to compete with the dozens of direct mail providers that are already out there offering a similar service. So it kind of made sense that they got into that business if they were going to try to compete with it. Because at the end of the day, you can send out all the emails you want. But if nobody's calling, following up, trying to make it happen, I mean, that's the icing on the cake. That's what's going to really drive the piece. So, I mean, Jackson, to your question... Hmm. I'm sure that there are call centers that maybe are not associated with, um, you know, with iHeart. I'd have to do a little research to figure out. But you know, like I said, there's a zillion direct mail companies that you that offer similar services. I I mean, I guess theoretically you could call iHeart and hire them. I mean, uh, if it's fourteen hundred bucks a month and fourteen hundred bucks a month and drives the calls. I mean, they're not in your market. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, particularly if it was not an iHeart market. I think, you know, the the thing that I'm also curious about is we've talked about this in terms of radio. Are you seeing anything comparable to this on the television side? Not really.
1: Not that I've seen. I mean, there's a lot of digital offerings. Um Sinclair has a Drive Auto program that has some of the similar components in terms of, you know, e-blasts and and mm-hmm. and, and and you know, that kind of marketing. I'm not specifically aware um of a call center component. I'm not saying it's not there, I've just I'm I'm not it hasn't been pitched to me, let's put it that way.
0: Okay. All right. Well then that's probably not there.
2: <laughs> so so kudos I guess well, to the to yeah. ever whoever the people were in the northwest that that came across Cloud 1 and said why aren't they a component of our automotive yeah. Yeah. offering and uh and, and they kind of, kind of white-labeled it at iHeart, didn't they? I mean, they're not, they're not giving Cloud One any credit, even though Cloud One is saying, you know, on their website and their PR stuff, going, we were chosen, mm-hmm. we were selected. They must be a pretty good group yeah. down
0: there. Yeah, from, from what Robert Dove said, who used to run the Northwest for iHeart, he said, uh, it's kind of been under the radar, but it has worked really, really well for the, for the iHeart stations. So um, Ed, we've um, we've dragged you out of here for the last uh, twenty <laughs> minutes. I have just a couple mm-hmm. of other questions, and Keith's probably got a couple other questions too. Uh, the biggest one to me is, uh, if you're a media sales rep, and and you're trying to sell into this complicated market, it's the same question I I've asked you before, and I'm curious if it if it changes. What's your best strategy for keeping? Dealers on the air, keeping budgets reasonable, and getting them good results. So similar
1: to what we talked about last time, not to give you, you know, not to sound like a broken record, the dealers are making plenty of money right now. Dealers are, most dealers are, uh, I know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and and there's a salesperson at one of the local dealerships who, you know, he pulled down $180,000 last year, and he's not even a very good sales rep. I mean, it was one of these kind of like, these guys are making money. The other thing is nobody's pushing price, nobody's pushing leases, nobody's pushing product-driven advertising. I don't, need to, I don't need to lease a Jetta at $279 a month. I don't even have a Jetta to lease. So the pain points are the used cars. And what's happened is that customers understand that used car prices have gone up dramatically. What they don't understand is that dealers are also having to pay more for used cars, right? It's like, uh, you know, the cars that were on the lot when the pandemic hit were sold a long time ago. So you have, you know, you have customers coming in saying, well, you know, we want to pay MSRP for our new car, but we want you to overpay for our used car. So there is a squeeze going on. I think that you're seeing the used Mm. car volume starting to drop. I think anybody that had to buy a car bought one. Um, You know, I mean, I'm speaking in general terms. And I think that a lot of people are like, I'm going to see if I can wait it out at this point. So I think that you're seeing some of the used car um, demand starting to drop. You are seeing some of the, the new car supply chain issues getting at least smoothed out. I think that now is a great time to position yourself for the end of the year. You know, the one thing with auto dealers is They don't respond to phone calls. They don't respond to emails. They respond to people walking into their dealerships and saying hi to them. So if I was a media sales rep, I would be making my rounds to the local dealerships, whether it's uh, giving them a Starbucks card or cookies or saying hi. Come in with an idea. They're still very community-based. If it's the dog walk, if it's the the Easter egg hunt, I mean, come Mm -hmm. in with community ideas. They don't have to, they have money, They know they still need to be visible in the community and they don't have to follow the co-op compliance rules. So what opportunity does that create for you? And I think the best thing you can do right now is go in, have face-to-face conversations with them, ask them how they're doing, ask them where their pain points are, and then continue to be there in front of them and be their friend because the spend will come back, it will level out. Right now a lot of them are like, Well, we're not we're selling every car we have, we're not super motivated to jump on. You have other dealers that are like, We know we need to keep branding, we know we need to stay visible in our community, we know we need to be out there. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's exactly the answer you were looking for, but I, I mean I think that's kind of where the market's at.
0: I think it's it's a it's a great answer and, and it raises one other quick question maybe you can clarify for our audience. Co op compliance. They don't have to comply with co op compliance because there's so little of the funding available Correct. or what's the reason the for funding
1: that? is coming back i guess i should i should backtrack a little bit the funding is coming back it really there was a super lull really towards the end of last year as is picking back i mean any advertising that you spend has to be co-op compliant but because you're not necessarily going to be offering you know a, a, a you know a ford uh, you know or or or, a, or a whatever a, you know a, a mazda three at 179 a month I mean the minute that you offer a product at a price you trip all of these disclaimers all of these things you know that the, which radio never wins on because it's got to be you know that's why the guy talks really fast for you know 15 seconds of the 30 second spot you know to tell you that you know the MSRP and the cap cost and the term and the and the APR and the you know and the and the residual and you're like you're doing all this stuff and radio can never win because TV just sticks it all in a crawl at the bottom well right now now as a dealer you're not going to be offering a car at at a 279 a month lease you're not even going to be saying the price of a car so you can take that entire 30 or 60 seconds and you can talk about why buying at you know at at Jackson and Keith Motors is the right choice for you and how they've been a part of the community and why they're different and how they offer you a service loaner or you know whatever other points of value that will distinguish that dealership so Yes, you still have to be co-op compliant, but because you're not running product advertising, that frees up a ton of time in the spot.
0: Great, great, great answer. Keith, <laughs> any final questions for Ed for yeah, this time around? Yeah,
2: one, yeah. One final question is as as Ed was talking about, you know, pain points, and you know, talking about your community involvement, and you know, why to buy at the dealership, and so forth. I kept thinking of those knuckleheaded sales managers, not that I worked for, but or was one, but those other ones would say, well, go out there and get some of that parts and service money. You know, go go get mm-hmm. that parts and service stuff, you know, the back end. Mm-hmm. And you've heard it a thousand yeah. times too, Ed. Is that is it, do, we, do we put that advice away forever or is that still a, an opportunity? I, think
1: I mean, I think that's always an opportunity. Um, some of the co-op manufacturers have allowed there to be more parts and service business uh, to be accrued there. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's a, I think it's an opportunity when you can go in and do an ad and you don't have to follow strictly the new car guidelines of where you can only talk about new and you can only talk about certified pre-owned, but you can talk about new, you can talk about used, you can talk about service, you can talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about because a lot of that's not going to be funded by co-op dollars anyway. Then yeah, you have an opportunity to Gotcha. To, I don't know the specifics on whether there's additional parts and service money available. I mean that money's always there and I guess you're
0: always trying to grab it somehow. Well, Ed, uh, thank you. I, I think you know, we're at a fascinating uh, point in the automotive business, the switch to EV, the total change in the way cars are being sold, the online application where more and more people are buying online. We've got franchise agreements falling apart. I feel terrible for the, for the dealers, <laughs> yeah. frankly, because they've got their hand in the cookie jar and they can't get it out for the new cookie. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got... 20 million dollars in your in your building and and 300 cars on the lot and some guy opens up a Polestar store at uh, Bellevue Square and you know has is is paying $25,000 a month for rent there I mean y- how do you shift right. it's just really a tough thing and that's where Tesla coming in without legacy dealerships without being encumbered by franchise agreements has, has scored such a home run. So I feel bad for the dealers, but we'll keep an eye on it. We'll have you back because we love hearing what you have to say. Thank you for your insight, your wisdom, and uh, for knowing what's going on. We really appreciate it, and uh, thank you, Ed Steenman. All right, well, thanks for appreciate. having
2: me. Always a pleasure. I love what you guys do. Thanks, Ed. Great to see you again, always.